Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. I've kind of stumbled into a bit of a pattern for the next couple episodes because um, we've got a couple guests that are going to come on and talk about uh, the adaptations of comics in other media. We're going to start things off today with Patrick Schumacher. Patrick was the co-showrunner of Powerless, the NBC sitcom that uh, got canceled this May. It it was a mid-season replacement. You know what's interesting? They ran nine episodes, and Patrick and I talk about the last three that it didn't air in the United States. Apparently, the unaired episodes were made available on TVNZ, which is, uh, I guess, TV on demand in New Zealand. And uh, right now, there's like three days left to watch the final episode. But um, it is really interesting putting that together with the information we get from Patrick. Look, you know, um, Powerless obviously did have some problems. That's why it was likely canceled by NBC. Had a really great cast, though. Man, I'm telling you, um, I mean this. Alan Tudyk was great as Van Wayne. Vanessa Hudgens uh, showed me that she is a lot more than just High School Musical. And I was really impressed with uh, her as kind of the Mary Tyler Moore of the show, the straight woman. Uh, Danny Pudi was great. I really felt like uh, Christina Kirk and Ron Funches, their characters just didn't do it for me. And um, I don't know, something was just missing. It didn't seem to gel. And I'm embarrassed because the true story is, the reason why Patrick came on today is, uh, I guess when I was talking on the Bendis tips, and sometimes you just forget what you say, um, uh, we were talking about Powerless, and all I said was horrible. I watched five episodes. I thought a couple were good, but it really felt like it wasn't getting better. And I guess from uh, what Patrick said, too, a lot of the episodes were shown out of sequence. That could be a reason, one of the reasons why that uh, things were kind of inconsistent. I thought they had a lot of good superhero premises and very funny Easter egg kind of jokes. And it was great hearing uh, familiar names dropped in the various episodes and some subplots like uh, them trying to get the Atlantis security account and all the Aquaman talking that I thought was very funny. And then also uh, when uh, Vanessa Hudgens' uh, character was uh, dating uh, a henchman who turned out to be one of the Riddler's henchmen. I thought that was really funny. But again, yeah, something was just keeping it from coming together. While Patrick is really kind, he heard my one-word uh, you know, critique of Powerless and emailed me and said, Hey, man, I listened to Word Bullet and I heard you say that. And come on, really? That bad? And I was embarrassed, but also, you know, you, you don't realize sometimes. I'm sure it was just this passing comment. And in this uh, YouTube world, which I put out my own uh, podcast, so I should be responsible for everything I say. And I really was. I was slightly embarrassed, and it made me feel like some of the internet trolls that I kind of laugh at uh, when I talk to other guests and stuff and look at me. There's one right there in the mirror staring at me. So I really felt bad. I gave Patrick a much more uh, literal critique. And also, I'm like, dude, you know, really, who am I? Who the hell cares what I say? And I'm also like, would you come on the show? Because I would love to hear about your experience. Um, You know, I mean, again, we keep breaking new ground with all these new uh, ideas and takes on superheroes. And, you know, this is the first, you know, superhero sitcom, American superhero sitcom, I should say. I can't forget about uh, My Hero, uh, the UK series that had uh, the guy from... Uh, Father Ted, um, who was that? I'm, I'm looking up his name. Uh, uh, Ardell O'Hanlon was Thermo Man, and then that's a very funny show. But regardless, okay, American sitcom uh, with really, you know, a lot of great uh, in jokes from the DC universe. Patrick tells us he gets uh, 
uh, pretty good, uh, you know, graces from DC to use a lot of the characters, and it's kind of fun uh, from that standpoint. So, you know, again, I think it's really interesting to take a look at this, and Patrick, Patrick gives us this great behind-the-scenes view of uh, what ha- went into the creation of Powerless. So worth noting, because I think, again, when we look back at this era, this is going to be a, an important footnote uh, in some of the things that, that were uh, attempted as uh, superheroes make the uh, new transition into 21st century media. So it's uh, fun to talk to Patrick Schumacher. A lot more fun than w- what that just sounded like. That sounds incredibly dry. Now, this is a good conversation. Patrick Sch- Schumacher joins us on today's Word Balloon. It's all brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, League, for your support. Uh, I truly appreciate it. Lots more uh, subscribers who have come on, uh, and, I, and I thank you for that, really, uh, via Patreon. If you like what you hear on Word Balloon, uh, and, man, you got to like what's been going on lately because I've really had some great luck in getting some very good guests, and I think have given a lot of good conversations. So happy to be the person uh, in between you and these people telling their stories. Um, if you think it's worth the price of a comic book, uh, subscribe to Word Balloon via Patreon. You can go to uh, patreon.com slash wordballoon, or you can go to wordballoon.com and click on that Patreon ad right there on the front page. That will take you to uh, the subscriber page. Uh, thank you again for your support, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Uh, here are some really great deals on great books at InStockTrades.com. How about Wonder Woman by John Byrne? Uh, hardcover volume one, 366 pages. I got to be honest, I kind of forgot that uh, Byrne had a significant Wonder Woman run. This is 50% off. It's just $19.99. You can get Doom Patrol trade paperback volume one. Uh, this is the new run for Doom Patrol under the Young Animal imprint. Gerard Roy and Nick Darrington doing the chores. It is 50% off, just $8.49. We've got a Young Animal interview, I think, coming up in a couple months. You could probably do the math and figure out who I'm talking about. But uh, there's also the new Dead Man miniseries by Sarah Vaughn and Lan Medina. Uh, it is uh, Ma- Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love. It's uh, kind of the uh, neat uh, gothic uh, romance take on uh, Dead Man, and I thought it was pretty effective. It's 160 pages, 45% off, $9.34. You can get uh, Star Slayer. The trade paperback, Log of Jolly Rogers. This is from Dark Horse, and uh, this is a a classic from uh, Mike Grell. Man, it's uh, good to have Mike Grell back. Uh, This was was a lot of fun. I I remember this a a long time ago. Uh, This was uh, at Valiant. It was under Windjammer. But a great Mike Grell story. It's uh, 42% off, $14.49. I'm just a sucker for that guy's art and story. Suicide Squad, trade paperback, volume six, The Phoenix Gambit, the original Suicide Squad team, John Ostrander and Luke McDonald. Uh, this is the team at its best, truly. Uh, this uh, reprints uh, Suicide Squad's number 40 through 49, 10 great issues. 45% off, it's just $10.99. Some of the great books you will find at InStockTrades.com. Before we start, a quick little technical note. I don't know what happened, but about, oh, about a minute, right before the two-minute mark, of our conversation uh, for about eh, just around 90 seconds or so. There's a little bit of static. You can hear Patrick perfectly, but there's just a little clipping behind him. And just about when I was about to say, let's try that again, uh, it stopped. So uh, I really felt like, okay, fine. And it, it's clear enough. I listened to it a couple times. So if you do catch it, I swear, it's it's only about a minute and a half long. It, it shouldn't be that intrusive. 
So, uh, you know, sorry about that. But again, wanted to uh, keep the interview pristine because Patrick had a lot to say. All right, without further ado, Patrick Schumacher now on Word Balloon. Patrick Schumacher, welcome to Word Balloon. Seriously, man, I, I genuinely appreciated you reaching out, and I really appreciate appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks very much for having me, John. Let's uh, let's start with your secret origin, if we will. We were just talking off the air. I had no idea you were uh, formerly associated with a a very prominent geek site. Yeah, yeah. So back in 2009, I would say I ran a website. I was a managing editor for Screen Junkies. Which, um, you know, has, has really taken off thanks to honest trailers. I think especially as, as probably their, their bread and butter these days. But back when I ran it, it was a, it was a much smaller thing. It was more of a, uh, kind of movie news, uh, given to you with a little bit of a tongue in cheek, uh, editorialization on the side. Um, so needless to say, less successful than it is now, but I, I did that for about a year. Um, before it was a weird gig, actually. I took, I, I honestly, I took the gig because they gave it to me, but also because uh, I just, uh, I needed like an office job. I needed a, a, the pragmatic reason was I needed medical insurance at the sure. time. I was, I was freelancing. Um, well, if we can go back even further, I moved out to LA to uh, went, went to film school in Austin, University of Texas. Cool. Uh, grew up in grew up in St. Louis. Uh, so I, uh, yeah, graduated with a film degree, wanted to direct TV commercials and music videos and that sort of thing when I first moved out, back when those were kind of a thing, sure. uh, music videos, they're still occasionally doing commercials. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, <laughs> uh, yeah, my parents worked for Budweiser, so I had kind of been exposed to the marketing side of stuff, and I was a big film geek, so I was like, well, what's like the sort of nexus of those two things? And Commercial is kind of a little short film. That could be a thing. Sure. So I was a director's assistant for a while out at this production company in Culver City. Got to work on tons of really cool, like uh, Gatorade, Nike. Got to travel the world. Went to Rio. Went to Vancouver. Uh, you know, got to second unit direct some like Hewlett Packard stuff. It was really, it was really cool. But eventually, uh, you know, I segued into writing treatments for commercial and music video directors. So I was essentially ghostwriting their pitches, uh, which was cool because it was like a, it was kind of a, a good practice for like pitching when, when I eventually broke into television. But uh, yeah, I did that on a freelance basis for a few years. And then I got this really, really terrible kidney stone at like the age of 29 and had to have two surgeries and it, it, it added up. Uh, it was yeah. like this massive draconian looking kidney stone that uh, I still have pictures of <laughs> from like a fiber optic camera. I just hang it on my wall with like target uh, targets drawn over it. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I, so I, I needed medical insurance and my buddy, my, my writing partner um, was working, uh, running a website for break media. And that website was called Holy Taco, which I don't think exists anymore. I think uh, it was like a pure comedy site, right? Yep. Kind of like a cracked. Um, sure. And uh, so he got me an interview uh, to run Screen Junkies. I landed the gig, and I ran that for about about 10 months, I would say. And then during that time, uh, he, and I, he and I had constantly been writing stuff. But during that time, this is where things get a little weird. He started this uh, Twitter account. From the office, uh, although I probably shouldn't say that because legally they now own it. Uh, he he uh, he started it uh, <laughs> during his free time, not during office hours. Uh, a Twitter account called "Shit My Dad Says," uh, 
Of course. Um, right. So, um, so yeah, my writing partner is Justin Halpern, and uh, he did the uh, Shit My Dad Says uh, Twitter account, which turned into a book, kind of a loose memoir that uh, he'll tell you himself you can read in, in one shit. Um, and, uh, and then that in turn, um, landed us the opportunity to do a TV show. Now I had nothing to do with the book because it was, it was his memoirs and everything that he had typed up on Twitter was pretty much verbatim or a, a, an abbreviated or truncated version of something that his dad had actually said. It was, it's all real. Um, but then, um, we had this reversal of fortune where, you know, we had been trying to get break into the business, break into television writing for, for quite some time. We've been writing partners since we were in college. Basically we interned together. Uh, so that's how we knew each other. So I've known him since 2001. So, you know, fortune fell on us and I, uh, you know, we ended up taking a meeting with, uh, like Sony, Warner brothers, Peter Chernin's company, where it was like the tables had turned and they were actually pitching themselves to us because, there was this hot property that uh, my writing partner, you know, had the rights to. So that was how we ended up breaking into television. And we went with Warner Brothers, who, uh, you know, we are with to this day. We're, we're currently contracted out to them to develop shows and staff on, on their shows. But, uh, yeah, we did Shit My Dad Says. Uh, it was a, a multicam on CBS, the 2010 to 11 uh, season, mm-hmm. uh, starred William Shatner. Then the 79-year-old William Shatner as his dad, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was, uh, it was like baptism by fire, right? Because they, they paired us up with the guys who ran Will and Grace, who created Will and Grace, wow. ran Will and Grace. And those guys, yeah, like, I mean, we were totally enamored of these guys when, when we met with them. I We walked into that meeting, like, saying, you know, we're going to put our foot down and this is going to be, you know, we want to, we want this to be an HBO show, single cam, you know, no holds barred, you know, cause the book is uncensored and, right. you know, a, 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 one of the tropes of that character is his, his salty homespun language. And so, um, yeah, we, we, uh, so naturally we ended up with a multicam on CBS. Yeah. I understand. TV, man. Um, Absolutely. Go on. Yeah. So, but you know, it was like, who are, who are we? You know, we we obviously, we we are, we are new to this here. We have, we are presented with these guys who are gods among men and in the TV world. And, you know, they, they convinced us that it should be a uh, multicam on CBS. And look, I, I think in, in hindsight, I think it was probably the best thing that we could have done for our careers because it, it got on the air, you know, it lasted a full season um, which is getting harder and harder to do these days. Sure. And, uh, you know, and it, and it launched our careers. And, uh, you know, right off the bat, we had co-executive producer titles having done nothing. So we were, we were very, very lucky. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, but we have, have been able to maintain uh, a career working in television ever since then. Um, you know, we, we, we worked on a very, very short-lived show called How to Be a Gentleman, which actually replaced Shit My Dad Says. It was a sort of an odd couple comedy uh, shot like a, like a multicam. It was a hybrid, so it looked like a multicam but not shot in front of an audience uh, that only lasted about eight episodes. We were co-producers on staff of that show. Uh, then we went on to Cougar Town because we sold another show to Warner Brothers, uh, which was sort of a – 
Wonder Years set in the 90s, set in 1991 specifically, called Surviving Jack, starring Chris Maloney. That was all, another one that was based on the relationship between Justin and his father, and it was kind of like our. We were like, all right, this is we're gonna we're gonna do it right this time. We're gonna we're gonna do it in the spirit of the source material, which always seemed to work best when it was uh, a, a kid, not like a 30 year old moving back in with his 80 year old dad. Um, so, so we did we did that. We sold that to Warner Brothers, and at the time, they paired us up with Bill Lawrence, who created Scrubs and Spin City. And Cougar Town, and he was on a deal at Warner Brothers, and he said, hey, do you guys want to, you know, we'll do this project together, we'll do this pilot, but then do you guys also want to join the staff of Cougar Town? We can get to know each other a little bit better uh, to sort of, you know, pave the way for doing this pilot pilot together in like the fall of 2012, I think it was. So, okay. um, so we did that, had a great time on Cougar Town. It was like season four, so it was basically like cruise control. The show had... You know, everybody knew what exactly what the show was. It was migrating over to TBS, who was from ABC. And TBS yes. was thrilled to have it. Yes. Uh, and so they gave it a ton of promotion. They, you know, they were very hands off because, you know, the show knew what it was. And, and again, they were just they I think they felt lucky to have it at the time. And so, uh, you know, it was a very, very easy gig and a fun gig. And then, uh, you know, the idea was that we would just do that for a year. And then if Surviving Jack got picked up, great, we'd run that show. So it, that is what happened, and we had a show on Fox in the spring of 2014 in Surviving Jack, and that was the first show that Justin and I actually ran together. Okay. Um, Bill Lawrence had a couple, had like three or four shows given there. He had a great year that year, and he had a show on NBC called Undateable that uh, he ended up being a lot more involved in okay. than he was with Surviving Jack. Uh, that kind of took most of his time, and so the training wheels were off at that point. And uh, yeah, I'm really proud of that show. I'm very happy with that show. I, I think, uh, I think we did do the source material right that, that time around. And Maloney's hilarious. And uh, unfortunately, it was it was a one and done situation. I think we, you know, had we gotten those ratings today, we would be on for five years. Um, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, it was not meant to be. Uh, Kevin Riley was on his way out at Fox and. He t he took the show with him. So uh, uh, anyways, um, that was uh, so. That wait, was, the was, end. He, was he running the Fox TV end, or what was Ke who was Kevin Riley? You know, what was yeah, his position? He okay. was he was at the time. And I don't when know. You say he took the show with him. What do you mean? Well, he he decided to cancel the show ah. right before he left. The ah. <laughs> oh man, because yeah, it's usually the new regime that comes in and goes, right? yeah, fuck you, you're gone and everything. So that's even yeah. shittier, man. Yeah, it was pretty shitty. I mean, like we all thought, like the studio thought, we thought, we we all thought the show was coming back because it's really, I mean, critically, it was. I wouldn't say it was a darling, but it did pretty well. Okay. And, uh, and at the time, you know, they didn't have any family shows, and I think that was part of it. There was just they were just like, eh, we're not a family show kind of network. Uh, but sure. I, you know, I I, I think it, it, hindsight's you know twenty twenty, and we always we always second guess the network that we sell something to. Uh, which brings us to Powerless. It we uh, we we, uh, we had an interesting um, entree to that show, where uh, I guess you know we were on a deal with the studio, so they can kind of at that point you you can kind of be placed on the chessboard wherever the studio wants to place you. We were in the middle of developing a few projects. We had had a relationship with DC because of some other development we had going on, and. Uh, 
at the time we got a call from this was May of last year. Okay. Got a call from Warner Brothers and they were like, "Look, uh, we really, really want you guys to be on the show. We, Powerless is getting picked up. It's going to get a big push in the, uh, as a mid-season from NBC. Uh, we kind of want all hands on deck. Can you guys be consulting producers on the show?" So we kind of had to table all of our development uh, in order to take it. And look, I mean, I, we would we would have probably jumped at the chance had we not had a bunch of development already that we were putting aside. But we kind of <laughs> begrudgingly uh, joined the show because uh, we knew we were losing out on a bunch of other stuff. But we wanted to be team players, and we we liked the showrunner. We actually were developing one of the things we were developing was with him. Okay. Uh, which. Um, is no longer happening, unfortunately. But uh, we did uh, a really solid, uh, I would say, 15, 16 weeks of pre-production uh, on the original iteration of Powerless, which, you know, for those who have not seen the show, which is probably a lot of you, uh, the original iteration of the show, which played at Comic-Con, in the, the pilot at least, played in Comic-Con, uh, was a group of people working for Retcon Insurance in the fictitious locale of Charm City, which you know you don't, doesn't exist in the DC uh, print universe at least, um, and and it was essentially about uh, you know the aftermath of uh, the dealing with the fallout of super super battles. Sure. Um, you know I, I don't know if you've seen the the original pilot, but uh, I haven't seen the original pilot. I did watch several episodes of the you know the NBC run, but yeah, go on. Yeah. So, so you know, it screened pretty well at Comic Con, as you as you would imagine it, it might, because it was it was doing something new. It was it was certainly the first comedy uh, that DC had put out. They that was all over the over all over the billboards. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, we we um, screened it at Comic Con, and then about fifteen weeks of pre production later, it was kind of determined that things just weren't working out. The, that creatively, it, it, this was not what the network wanted. Um, the studio was was also kind of you know on the network side in, in, in the argument, and uh, the showrunner departed the show. Okay. Um, and you know we all kind of assumed that at that point we were sunk, um, sure. and uh, that was that. However. Um, the studio came to us and uh, and actually asked us to Justin and and myself to take a stab at reconceiving the show um, in a very heightened pace and uh, we were shut down for a month. We did take a stab at it and shockingly they went for it because and I say shockingly only because and I I, I like what we did I, I think I think what where we ended up was. It was a good product, especially by the end of it. I think we had found our footing, and I, I wish to God that someone would show the last two episodes of the show because I think that is the show at its best, but that's neither here nor there. I, uh, you know, we, why I'm shocked with why they picked it up was because we were like, well, we've got to throw out the original pilot. It's the, the insurance thing just is not, it is not working. It's kind of a reactive thing. Um, it's not really integrating the fun of the DC universe, which, you know, people know Superman, people know, you know, your Justice League members, sure. regular Joes know that, but they don't know the breadth of the DC universe like you do. So, so, you know, we were like, this is an opportunity to, to really bring in a lot of shit. 
from yeah. you know a lot of like canon shit that you're never going to see in you know the the Berlanti shows that you're never going to see in the movies, and yeah. they kind of did give us carte blanche to show cert, a certain level of you know of, of uh, how to put it like arcane you know superheroes and it, and and that sort of thing. So, anyways, we 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 were like, well, let's we gotta we gotta blow up the pilot we got to blow up the concept of the show and we really did not think they were going to go for that because they had spent a lot of money on that pilot um you know the effects sequence which ended up being borrowed for the new iteration which which was the four air pilot you know that in and of itself was probably like half a million bucks okay um yeah and and uh, so you know it's an expensive effects driven uh single camera comedy which from a uh, you know from a business standpoint is not the not the greatest thing you know you can you can have a multicam that takes off and you can make billions but you know if you have a single cam effects driven comedy that takes off you're only talking like tens of millions in profits which you know is in like the studio's uh, metaphorical uh couch cushions uh you know it's 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 a pittance compared to what the big bang theory is doing so so at any rate um you know, they did say yes, uh, which, you know, we were like, holy shit. And then they were like, all right, you've got the weekend to kind of like come up with a new thing. So long story short, um, you know, we met with the DC executives, Aria Moffley and Jeff Johns over there at, at uh, DC and kind of uh, just had a brainstorming session where we landed on um, our group of our, our core cast who we were keeping. Our core cast was now going to be working for a security company specifically Wayne Security, subsidiary of Wayne Enterprises, to help kind of bring that name recognition into it uh, for for the, the layman, let's say. Sure. And, um, and, you know, they were going to be making security products that help the the average uh, you know, pedestrian deal with the fallout of superhero battles. So it was more of a preventative kind of company versus a reactive kind of company. It was, I got you. Um, so So – NBC ended up being the ones to kind of push for the uh, the R and D sort of you know nerdier, techier side of things. I think okay. originally we were just going to do kind of a run of the mill sales sort of thing, and and actually like we liked that idea when when they pitched it. I still do. I, I think it you know again like opened up doors to sort of the the sillier kind of broader more. Um, I don't know, supernatural, paranormal sort of elements of the DC universe. So, so yeah, so um, kind of that's where, that's where we landed, and uh, you know we were we were shut down for about a month, picked back up in uh, oh god like September or so, or October of, of last year, and then it was like fast track because they had given us an air date of uh, you know like February second or something like that, and so we actually reshot the pilot. And then rolled right into the second, third, fourth episode. So there wasn't that traditional kind of breather after you do the the pilot. Yes. Um, that you would you would normally get to kind of assess well what what do we really have? And you know, consequently, um, you know the the episodes and it, we, this this happens with a lot of first year shows. Absolutely. But the the episodes aired out of order. You know, we wrote them fairly episodically. So, you know, with the exception of the last few episodes, um, 
of the of season one of of the series uh we we wrote uh you know we wrote them so you could kind of mix and match and you know so so they ended up airing out of order and i think the third episode that aired which was the one where alan tudyk's character who uh, if you haven't seen the show is kind of the black sheep cousin of the wayne dynasty plays vanderveer wayne who who is a a, a, he is a, a character that exists in the canon uh i believe Man, I'm, I'm blanking now. I, I want to say that it was it was a character who was uh, from like early '60s Batman Detective Comics. He was he was Bruce Wayne's cousin who actually was a like a grifter who impersonated Batman um, at one point. It was like one issue. I wish I could remember the issue to dig it up, but it was one of those things where one of our one of our uh, writers' assistants who actually he was a writer on. Uh, uh, the new uh, New Fifty Two Suicide Squad. His name's Sean Ryan. He uh, he uh, was on staff, and he uh, he found that. And it was one of those things where we we're like, okay, well, shit. Like nobody's gonna be that protective over this character. Isn't <laughs> it great to just retcon this weird, obscure member of the Wayne family and make him like the the head honcho, uh, which Tudic will play to the hilt over at. Wayne security. And so that's, that's what we ended up doing is Vanderveer, Wayne, Van Wayne, uh, and, uh, episode, uh, three, which aired in third, uh, uh in the third place in order was him having to convince uh, a group of Atlantean businessmen to buy some of their security products. Yeah. That was a good uh, one, man. <laughs> yeah. And I, think, and, and I think that one was like where we had sort of figured out how to integrate the universe into the show in an organic way that still gave you your off office, like workplace comedy stuff, yes. but also felt like you're bringing in kind of the more interesting. Here's the thing. Like we started out uh, kind of doing this, like with the exception of the pilot, doing this kind of typical workplace comedy, struggling to find ways to integrate the DC universe and the second episode. Consequently, while I like the episode, it, it didn't really capitalize on that. It was a superhero fantasy league, and it was like, okay, I, like I get that idea. I think in a world where superheroes and supervillains exist, a superhero fantasy league isn't that far out of the realm of possibility. Sure. Uh, and so we threw that in there, but it's still like, okay, you're doing a superhero show. Like, show the fucking superheroes. Okay, okay. So, you know, we ended up kind of moving toward that, um, after you know some heavy philosophical conversations with the network and the studio, um, and ultimately decided, you know, once we aired, once we finished the pilot, we were like, well, we're going to push back a little bit more, try and get more of these you know, beloved characters into the show, um, you know, or I should say, beloved by few, <laughs> uh, not known by many, but uh, but you know, we had Crimson Fox in the pilot. We Absolutely. brought her back. A- more time. Yep. We ended up, uh, and these aired. We had Natalie Morales playing. We called her Green Fury in the show. She's probably better known as Fire. Um, yeah, playing a version of that character. Mm-hmm. We had we had her in those episodes. In the last, the last, I want to say the last two that aired. And uh, you know, we we had plans to bring in. We had the Olympian. Um, we had a lot of members of the Global Guardians. Actually, that was like yeah, Crimson Fox too. Sure. Right. So so that was one of the things that DC had. I think kind of made in a. a agreement with the original showrunner on was that they, like, the global guardians were going to be a part of the show. And we just kind of carried that on and had plans to bring more of them into it. Um, you know, it's not going to happen anymore because the show's canceled, yeah. but, yeah. uh, but yeah. Um, so, I mean, look, I, I think it was a, 
it was an experiment. I think it was a noble failure. I think that cast was super strong. And, you know, we were as, as we took the training wheels off, I think we, uh, we were finding, we, we had, well, we were forced to find our legs a little bit sooner than, than most shows. Um, but you know, network especially is a tough one. You're kind of just shot out of the cannon and uh, this one, especially with the condensed sort of pre-production time with the new iteration of the show, uh, you know, <laughs> we were um, shot from a, a, a nuclear missile launcher. No, I understand, uh, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, you know, believe me, as all of us have consumed a lot of TV in our lives and stuff, uh, the nerds all figure out that it's always that first season that is the clunkiest and you're finding your legs, you're finding what works, what characters gel together, you might need yeah. a new character or whatever. And yeah, so I mean, believe me, I, I understand. And also, whenever these genre shows wind up on the major networks, I think all of us in the geek world are like, okay, well, that's one strike immediately because, mm -hmm. as you say, you're shot out of a cannon and you've got to deliver numbers right away. And if yeah. you don't, you're immediately behind and you're chasing that ghost. How many episodes got on the air? Was it nine? Nine episodes aired. We shot 12, always with the idea that one of them was going to be kind of the lost episode because it was a, it was purely a function of the amount of slots they had available. And sure. they ended up having 11 slots available for 12 episodes. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was a weird thing because like we were doing pretty much as well as their other shows, but they kept, trying to experiment with Superstore's uh, time slot, and that was the show that we had been paired with. Then they had a new show called Trial and Error, which was doing well critically um, and I think was, was liked a lot internally at the network. And they ended up kind of, you know, kind of horse trading a bit with, with, their, uh, with their time slots. And, uh, you know, we, we ended up – it was like we'd be on for two weeks, we'd be off for one, on for one, off for two, back on. So there was – not not that people watch television necessarily in this way anymore, but it was it was kind of hard to pick up momentum. I will like uh, I'll never forget coming home one day and looking at my DVR, and I'm like, "Huh, that's weird." There's an episode of Powerless that was that was recorded, but I know that Powerless was not going to air this week. I was told directly by the network, and then I press play, and it's an episode of Trial and Error that was labeled by. Uh, the DVR as powerless. So I think a lot of people, you know, so that when that kind of stuff happens, it's like, it's not really, uh, it's not really helping the cause. Sure. Um, so, you know, hopefully those last couple of episodes will be available, um, be it on iTunes or on Hulu at some point. I don't know what all the legality and like that legal red tape, mm -hmm. uh, is that's standing in the way of that happening. But, uh, you know, there, I, I really am, am, particularly proud of those last couple of episodes we have one that uh that spoofs the ending of the original uh richard donner superman where superman flies around the world turns the you know the the earth's rotation back and, and somehow through the magic of non-existent physics turns back time and uh and and that is a huge part of the show we were like well you know that was an episode the original showrunner had talked about quite a bit and um, we had wanted to do forever and it had gotten a little bit of pushback. And I think finally they took the reins off either because they were like, well, the show is working with this, with the superhero conceit better than we thought, or they were just like, well, fuck it. This show's a wash. <laughs> you guys can do whatever you want. But we ended up with, uh, we ended up with an episode called no consequence day where one of our characters, Ron Funches's character, who's kind of like a resident conspiracy theorist, uh, 
you know, finds out that Lois Lane has perished uh, in a, in a, basically a terrorist attack. And she, uh, he is the only one who is not mourning her death initially because he knows for a fact that Superman is going to just fly around the world, turn back time. And therefore, all, everyone in the office has a day of no consequences. Inevitably, this is going to happen. And then, you know, there's YouTube videos with crackpot scientists kind of confirming it in their own way. And then sure enough, uh, you know, we have all of these radioed in newscasts from the local Charm City News talking about how Stephen Hawking had, has pushed Neil deGrasse Tyson into traffic with his, <laughs> with his wheelchair. And, you know, and all, so all of these, these That's incredible scientists are actually going on crime sprees. And so therefore this must be true. Um, and, and so we had a lot of fun with that. And then in the finale, we actually have, aside from a great, great cameo by Adam West, we have a, uh, <laughs> a conceit where the company is actually taken over by LexCorp. Van Alan <laughs> Tudyk's character shaves his head to suck up to Lex Luthor. They all become employees of LexCorp. We have an appearance by The Blight. It's like, if, if you don't know, kind of an obscure uh, group of villains from Legion of Superheroes world. Uh, awesome. <laughs> kind of a, almost like the DC equivalent of the Borg is the way I kind of look at them. Oh, okay. uh, they they in, invade Charm City uh, and uh, via a wormhole, we have a character going through a wormhole and coming back out dressed in the uh, traditional battle garb of Skartaris. I mean, we had like, and we went crazy. We spent like a quarter million bucks of our uh, of our effects budget just on CGI for like a wormhole, <laughs> and uh, we, we went we went nuts. Uh, and I hope to God it sees the light of day, if only because I've paid the twenty four ninety nine on iTunes to get the season pass. And damn it, I want my money first. I understand. Well, and also I know um, Warner's is doing a, is, and you know I get confused by their animated uh, streaming thing called Seed. And whatever else that they were planning, kind of like CBS All Access, where there's going to be a, a streaming channel. And I'm hoping that um, those episodes do make it. Because, yeah, I was checking the NBC app, and it only has up to episode nine. It actually has uh, five through nine uh, on the NBC oh, app. Oh, right yeah. Now. They've got the, the stacking rights and all that business. Yeah, Warner Brothers is a little tricky with that sometimes. It's not like – because they're they're not owned by NBC um, – Hulu uh, and NBC.com. I don't think they get access to all of the episodes sure. like they would a universal produced show. Um, at any rate, um, I, I hope so too. I don't know a ton yet. I'm, I'm, I'm finding out actually because we're hoping to do a project with them on, on their, their OTT digital service. Um, I'm finding out a little bit more about that. Is that what it's general. called, OTT? Well, it's over the top, which is like industry speak for okay. anything that's not traditional. Uh, no, I look, I, I found that out last week. I was like, oh, OTT, what does that stand yeah. for? <laughs> like, that sounds fun and mysterious. And I was like, no, it's it's just kind of what uh, what we all call our, our like digital service. Sure. I actually don't know what the uh, what the DC digital service is going to be called yet officially. Got it. I don't know if it's out there in the world. But, um, yeah, it's another great opportunity hopefully uh, to get something on the air uh, on the digital air, at least. And I'm sure they're, I mean, with, with Titans and the live action Titans, Greg Berlanti show yes. and young justice, you know, they're throwing a lot of resources at it. So um, 
yeah, I would I would not be surprised if we see some pretty pretty exciting stuff and both animated and live action space coming down the pipeline on that. That's another reason why I too think I think if uh you were on like the CW, there there might have been a chance for okay, fine, we're we're finding our feet and let's, you know, move on and, and give them at least another season to kind of figure it out and let's see what the good was and things like that. Oh yeah, believe me, that was that was discussed. I mean you always get you always get the the folks on social media that are extremely optimistic um, about, you know, the show just finding its second season on another network. And, and I think and some of them maybe do realize this, but I think a lot of them don't realize just the hardships of having that happen, especially with a, with a show that has just done one season, you know, you're not talking about a, a, a tried and true sort of brand of a show that is that, that has that huge built in audience totally. that is, you know, you can't just migrate over to another network super easily. However, the CW is it's a co-venture by CBS and Warner Brothers and so, you know, there if something were to happen it would be a lot easier to do that over there. Unfortunately, they don't do half-hour content. Right. Right. Yeah, that's pretty self-evident. Yeah, with all their hour-long shows, absolutely. Um yeah. no, and again, you know, yeah, you already were on a, a another network and and yeah, hadn't built the audience. And that's again when these things are introduced and it's like, "Hey, it's a Warner series and it's going to be on NBC." And obviously, all the networks have really kind of shored up their own production deals. I know, hey man, I work for CBS Radio mm-hmm. and they sold off uh their radio network to par- partner with hopefully some you know, a uh, movie studio out there in the way that NBC and Universal now have their deal, you know, yeah. ABC and Disney and, and, you know, I mean, every, every, and Fox, of course, just being Fox, you know, I mean, that's yeah. the thing, like everyone has their kind of built in production arms and stuff. And, uh, so yeah, when you hear that, oh yeah, it's a Warner show, but it's going to be on NBC. It's like, oh, well then, you know, I don't know, unless it is a monster hit, it may not, you know, make it because just from that standpoint where they don't officially own everything. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think you're going to start seeing more co-productions uh, from independent studios like Warner Brothers and, you know, your NBC Universals and your CBS television studios and that kind of thing, just because that's that's the way you're going to get shows on the air. You know, it's it's uh, really because it oh, OK, because I kind of thought it was it used to be like that. And I mean, I, I know like Drew Carey was like an, a Warner Brothers show running on ABC, things like that. And I know Warner Christ, they, they made everything, you know, I mean, uh, they were like the massive sitcom world and on all the networks. And with the oh, exception, yeah. I think of CBS. So it's interesting that it's, it's kind of coming back to that. Cause I thought it was the opposite that they were pulling everything in house and you know, yeah, we just, well, they, are, they are, but you're, you're correct. I mean, that, that, that is sort of the way things have been going, especially this year with the, with pilots uh, that got put on the air as series that got picked up to series. I mean, there was Warner's actually had a pretty good year as an independent studio, but you like, I'll, I'll give you an example with NBC. The shows that NBC picked up this year, the new shows, yeah. none of them were created by an outside studio. Right. So you're absolutely right, and that is the trend. But what what I meant was, uh, you're you're gonna start seeing more co-productions with independent studios because in order to survive, in order to make that pickup more enticing to your NBC Universals, they're just gonna have to bite the bullet okay. and uh, yeah. Cool. So. Um, so, you know, or hopefully, uh, you know, Warner Brothers just gets something going in addition to the uh, the DC OTT, right. as we industry insiders <laughs> call it. No, it's honestly, I, I really do appreciate this point of view because I do think 
uh, media is in a very interesting place. And because of all the pla- – it's the best of times. It's the worst of times because we got all these platforms. But then some really good stuff goes unnoticed because nobody can consume everything. And, I mean, it's so funny. It's like, oh, I'm going to cut the cord and I won't pay for cable anymore. Well, the the streaming options can bring your uh, you know media bill as high as a cable bill pretty easily if you've got a wide, a wide you know, interest in, in various things. And there's tons of channels that I would love to do that I'm like, I, I, you know, no, I can't I can't afford this, man. So, yeah. you know, it's. Oh, my God. I had this really depressing conversation with a, a teenager the other day. Uh, we were doing a little bit of research for this uh, network comedy that we want to pitch that takes place in a high school. And, yeah, fairly far removed from high school. So I'm like, we should we should do some research here. And we're talking to her and we're like, get to the end of the conversation. We're like, you know, what is what are some good high school shows that you currently watch that are like great representations of high school for you? And she's like, well, I kind of just watch Netflix. And that's about all I watch. Wow. And I'm like – well, I'm fucked. <laughs> I'm like, how long are we? How long is our contract good for? Okay, okay, good. All right, <laughs> we're not we're not going to be jobless yet. But yeah, it's just like it. It seems like, fuck. <laughs> I understand. I've got two nephews that are in their early twenties, and they're my focus group. And I, and I always, and literally like they're, they're like just in college age and stuff. And I'm like, all right, what's going on? What are we watching? What's funny? What's not funny and stuff. And I'm, I'm surprised when I like something that they, that they're like, oh, I haven't watched that yet. I'm like, Hey man, Silicon Valley is amazing. And they're like, oh, you know, we really like TJ Miller. We just haven't watched it yet. I'm like, oh my God, you guys, you know, watch it now before he leaves the show. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to love seasons one through four. You're going to hate that. I saw that one interesting article, though, where somebody, a writer, is like, hey, you got to grab Haley Joel Osment as, like, TJ's, like, replacement because he was on uh, an episode two weeks ago. And uh, That's right. He's funny. He was really funny. And it's like – I barely recognized him. He had, like, a Grizzly Adams thing going on. <laughs> he looked like that in the – I know in, in the Entourage movie. Maybe I'm one of the few people that saw the Entourage movie. But, uh, yeah, I'm like, oh, man, he was good. And, yeah, it was like – Oh, he would be kind of interesting in the mix and stuff. So yeah, I, I that was an interesting idea, and I, I'll be well. It'll be interesting to see what they do with season five. But anyway, back to you. I uh, well, no, you well, you you know, you know your stuff, and I and again, I thought there were a lot of really good ideas on Powerless. And yeah, I'm sorry you guys didn't have the time to shake it out because really, I mean, you had great cast members. Tudic is fantastic uh, in everything he does, and it's what a what a great gift to have him on a series. Um, so yeah, I do kind of think this will live on in a cult way, which I know is you know a, a nice moral victory maybe, but yeah, it's uh, it's a shame because yeah, it's like some of these shows, and I, that's what I was wondering what the future might be, and obviously you don't know yet either, and even some of the other shows you worked on, like Surviving Jack and stuff like that, is that playing anywhere? I do not believe you can get Surviving Jack outside of iTunes. Okay, um, well, there you go. It just. It just was so short-lived, you know. Sure. And also, it, Warner has a like a weird thing with with home video and that sort of thing. They don't like shit. My dad says was on, like like shit. My dad says premiered with a four rating, which is like you just like nobody gets that now. Yes. Like like Big Bang Theory is not getting that now, and yet you can't get that show anywhere. So I think I don't know if it's like a Warner Brothers thing. Wow. What? But yeah, just just not available. I I mean, powerless. You can one hundred percent get on. Get on iTunes and 
Uh, yeah, hopefully these last two episodes just get added magically added to the iTunes playlist if you've paid for the season pass because um, it just doesn't seem fair. Sure. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we're, I mean, I'm gonna. Well, yeah, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they either end up there or or on DC's streaming service eventually. You're on staff with Warner's, and uh, is that yeah, so good, great. Yeah, it's been great. Like, so Justin and I are, uh, we're, we're a team. We're, uh, and we're under contract. We have a term deal with the studio through like 2019, I want to say. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, we've got, we got something cooking with DC again, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the huge benefits of having DC in partnership with Warner Brothers is that you don't have the same sort of, um, hardships that you would to sell something outside of, you know, CW and that sort of thing, because people are still very excited about this, the properties that DC brings to the table. So, you know, and they, and obviously, you know, the scope of the DCU yeah. and, and, and there, there's a ton of stuff, either DC or vertigo that, uh, you know, I think is ripe for television um, and you know, I, I know a few of the things they're working on. I think they've got some really exciting stuff coming out. Some some exciting like Vertigo stuff. Um, it's funny. I I uh, one of the executive producers of Powerless uh, actually executive produced the pilot of Scalped uh, that originally was a WGN uh, a WGN show, WGN America, yes. done through Warner Brothers because of the DC Vertigo connection. And uh, now WGN decided, ah, oh, we're going to like pull out of the uh, scripted business. Like after we spent all of this money on this amazing pilot. Wow. And now I, I say amazing. I haven't seen it, but I'm very good friends with the executive I'm assuming it's amazing. Yeah, I had heard that Scalp was in development, and I wasn't sure if it was as a TV show or a movie. And, yeah, TV and, show. It makes sense because it's, I mean, it's, you know, Wise Guy or Donnie Brasco. On an Indian reservation, so yeah, no, God, and, you know, I'm a huge Jason Aaron fan. It was a NRM Guerra for that matter. Uh, great, great Vertigo series, and yeah, totally primed for TV. And I had no idea that GN is making that move as well. I thought and watched, uh, you know, GN is a Chicago-based uh, company, or was currently still yeah. is. And uh, when they were saying, yeah, this superhero thing, I, I don't know if that's going to work. When they were still part of the CW, and it's like, mm-hmm. man, you guys are so going in the wrong direction. <laughs> and so now to hear that they're potentially, you know, all the scripted stuff, holy cow, that's crazy. Cause, and it's tough because they're, you know, they're trying to, you know, make their mark as a superstation finally and really embracing what you can do in the way that TNT and TBS does their stuff. And I mean, God, I think, I think Underground was a really good show. And I, I like, yeah. hell, I liked um, Manhattan. I thought that, that was, was a beautiful show. Yes. Yeah. The the, uh, the guy who directed, I think, most of those episodes, but definitely the pilot, Tom Schlamme, is such an amazing TV director. I know that name. Absolutely. I've seen that name. On a he he did West Wing. He's like, he's like a Sorkin yes. guy. Yes, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. Beautiful show, um, which is, you know, unfortunately short-lived. So now I think they're looking for a new home for uh, for Scalps. Um, so I'm excited about that, though, because I think they're going to find it. Um, I think somebody will pick it up. I'm a I, I'm a Jason Aaron fan. I just started reading his uh, Doctor Strange run. Oh, that's great! Yes, indeed, it's fantastic. Shit, it's really good. I read it because I I listen to your podcast and 
uh, Bendis was talking about it. Oh my I God. I think Bendis, like I know him. I don't know that guy at all. Bendis, but... it's all right. Do you know any other uh, comic book writers? And uh, well, you mentioned obviously uh, Sean, who used to write Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not. Uh, I'm not so tapped into it. I know. Yeah, I know them from passing. I have, I have buddies over at Skybound who've cool. introduced me to a few guys, and uh, you know, nobody. Uh, I'm not. I'm not friends with anybody. I have. I have just met people at cons and whatnot. I, I not a writer, but Cliff Chang did a print a, a piece of original art that I commissioned for Powerless. Um, that I should send you a picture of. Oh it's God, like that'd a, be great. It's sort of a takeoff on an old Teen Titans cover with the cast. Uh, you know, striking a pose and, uh, oh man, it's so, I mean, Cliff Chang's awesome. Oh yeah. DC hooked me up with him and he just, um, he knocked it out of the park. That's that's uh, terrific. That's cool. Yeah. Well, who do you read? Who do you, who do you like to read? Uh, so I am, because my buddies are over at Skybound, I've been reading a ton of, uh, you know, Donnie Cates' new redneck book. Um, been reading Extremity, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson's Extremity. I've been having a blast reading that. Um, I mean, Mark Wade and Bendis for me, like those guys, they're for whatever reason, their dialogue for me is just the best out there. Uh, I just think the, the levity in a lot of their dialogue, I, I spark to as a comedy writer. Um, not that kingdom come was funny, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, you know, I, uh, I love those guys and they have obviously been, been doing it forever. Oh, yeah. There's humor, uh, there's humor in Mark's flash run. There's a ton of humor in Mark's flash run and impulse yeah. for God's sake. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, man, what else have I been reading? Oh, I've been reading, um, seven to eternity, uh, remenders Absolutely. look with that. I mean, holy shit. That guy is good. Opinion. Oh my god! Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. They've they've always been an amazing team. I completely agree, and two good guys as well. Yeah, no, they're, yeah. they're great. That's awesome. Uh, I've been reading Wade's new uh, Avengers run. Yeah, um, been enjoying that. Uh, Lemire's uh, Thanos stuff. I've been reading a bunch oh, that's of cool. Black Hammer. I was going to say, I good. I'm glad you're reading Black Hammer because I think that is amazing. Yeah, and, and I, I I make it a point to uh, track down all the variant covers that Lemire's doing for Black Hammer. <laughs> I love them. I love them. I almost splurged. My my wife would have killed me, but I almost splurged on the cover of uh, number five. I want to say that he did with uh, Captain Weird, uh, uh, sort of doing the uh, like Vitruvian Man on the cover, like in his space helmet and stuff. Yeah. And they had it on up on that. Uh, I think it's Cadence Comic Artist who reps him. Yes, yes, and. Uh, Oh man, I almost bought that, but it was like a grand, and my wife would have really uh, murdered me. <laughs> I understand. Like I already paid enough for the the Cliff Chang commission, but like that one's like it's got like personal, you know. She knew she knew not to say no to that one. Break my heart. That's no, that's amazing, and I, you know, uh, I I I keep meaning to buy, and it's a print, but his Archie's as a '90s punk band or whatever, or a, a, you know, yeah. Band. It's it. I mean, stuff like that. No, Cliff's amazing. And do you have other original comic art? I've only got a couple things. I've got a piece from uh, <clears throat> my buddy picked it up for me at, at uh, Emerald City Con. It's like a Butch Geis uh, Justice League page. Can't wow. remember what the issue is. And then I've got a. Do you know Dan Frega? He did some image stuff back in the day and was a storyboard artist uh, in commercials. And uh, he used to do these fucking incredible pen sketches 
where he would just like sit there like on the back of like a Long John Silver's menu and draw these incredibly dense sort of like Mobius looking space guys. And uh, I got one of those that he did that he just was like, I shit this out over at Denny's. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. Uh, and then I've got a, a random piece. It was an Ashley Wood page from a Ghost Rider 2099 uh, that I found okay. at, down in San Diego one year. And I was just like, I, I like Ashley Wood stuff. Yeah, hell yeah. I didn't even realize, like, I, I, I knew nothing about him other than he's done these, like, nutso, like, World War II inspired, like, mech paintings. Yes. And I was like, Oh shit! This guy he did Ghost Rider twenty ninety nine. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I had so, no idea he did Ghost Rider twenty ninety nine. That's I'm a Metal Gear Solid. All of his IDW stuff is, and and also all the stuff he did. Uh, I think in the Hellblazer world, not Hellblazer uh, Spawn. Oh, nice! I'll have to check. That. I had I had no idea. Yeah, I think he did McFarland so, stuff, and 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 um, Thirty Days a Night. I always get him uh, mixed up with uh, Temple Smith. Oh yeah, yeah. No, similar qualities for sure. Um, oh, the other thing I'm reading is uh, Kill or Be Killed, the Brubaker thing. Excellent. Yes, indeed. Fantastic. That's so good. What, are you going to so be good. at any cons? Or are you just going to be walking around uh, San Diego? Uh, or I am going to be in San Diego, and I may be doing a panel that I have been told I can't talk about, but okay. it's uh, on Thursday. Uh, I think, you know, TV-related thing. So uh, that, that'll be cool. Ah, be my first so announce, announcement pending? Announcement pending, yeah. Cool. I'm going to get permission. Yeah, that's great, man. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. I could be like the seventh, eighth year in a row that I've gone. Oh, that's great, man. I uh, I will be there as well. I've got a Thursday panel, so hopefully mine doesn't conflict with yours or I'll come by and see you. Awesome. Yeah. You have to meet face-to-face. Absolutely, man. Seriously, and I know, all right, we're up against the clock, so I want to let you go. But thanks a lot for talking, and I hope you'll come back. I, I, would, I would love to talk more. I appreciate, like I said, I think – now, all this is in a really interesting place, and uh, yeah, if the uh, if the DC and Warner Brother gods will allow you to talk, that will <laughs> that would be great. But truly, I appreciate the point of view on powers. I think it was a it true. I mean this a valiant effort, and I think there's a lot of good things in it. I'm sorry that you guys didn't have the chance to continue it and uh, make it even better. Thanks a lot, man, and I, I would love to be back. And hopefully, uh, this yeah, this project that we've got coming down the road with DC comes to fruition, and I'll have a lot of. Uh, Fun, fun stuff to talk about. So thanks for having me. That's Patrick Schumacher talking about Powerless. And, man, I uh, wish him luck on his uh, new DC project. God only knows what that's going to be. Can't wait to hear about it. We'll likely find out in San Diego. Next episode of Word Balloon, like I said, I'm going to continue on this uh, conversation about uh, comics uh, being uh, adapted for other media. The big hit that's... uh, Sci-Fi is about to start its second season with Winona Earp. We're talking to Winona Earp's father, Bo Smith. That's right. He of the Flying Fist Ranch. Uh, Very funny writer. It's been years since I've had Bo on and very happy to have him back. I've been meaning to have this conversation really for a while now. He brought Winona Earp back in 2011 at IDW and had such great success that uh, they, uh, you know, became a television series. And like I said, it's a great show on Sci-Fi Channel. Season 2 starts on Friday. So uh, expect this conversation with Bo probably in the next two days, certainly before the premiere. And it's a great preview and a great talk about the show. And, of course, the IDW comic books that now are really uh, as much of a part of the show as the show itself because um, it, it really does serve as a prequel. Everything that happens on on screen and these new IDW issues are really a prequel of Bo's original story. And you'll hear more about that on the next episode of Word Balloon. 
Thanks a lot for listening today. Everything was brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Again, thank you, League, for your support. If you want to help and subscribe to Word Balloon, uh, you can do that by going to wordballoon.com and clicking on the Patreon ad or going directly to my Patreon page at patreon.com slash wordballoon. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. One of my uh, favorite creators has a book on sale at InStock Trades, and that's Dean Motter, who did the wonderful Mr. X, one of the best designs of the 80s and 90s, and it's still interesting to look at today. And uh, Dean continues to crank out the occasional Mr. X miniseries. Well, uh, now all the current collected work is uh, being archived, and this is uh, the trade paperback for Mr. X, the archives, 42% 42% off. It's just $14.49. Bitch Planet is back with uh, Trade Paperback Volume 2, and that's President Bitch. Val DeLandro on art, Kelly Sue DeConnick doing the writing, and uh, the book continues to amaze. Taki Somo, I always forget to mention, also a part of the art team as well. But, uh, man, they are just great, and what an amazing book. Couldn't be happier. They're, they're uh, three of my favorite people. It's uh, the, You can get Volume 2 for 45% off. It's just $8.24. How about Wolverine, Old Man, Logan, Trade Paperback Volume 4, Old Monsters, uh, Jeff Lemire and Felipe Andrade uh, continuing uh, that great vibe that started in Secret Wars. Uh, you know, shame on me. Of course, it started in Old Man Logan with McNiven and Mark Miller. But uh, I don't know. It just felt it felt a little different than the Miller series. I really think what Bendis started in Secret Wars and what was continued in this series through Jeff Lemire, I really think has kind of gone its own way. But uh, it's it's really one of my favorite interpretations of Logan. And I think uh, if you're not reading it, well, here's a great chance to uh, get in on one of the big story arcs. This is, uh, again, Volume 4, 50% off, just $7.99. Some of the great books that are available at InStockTrades.com. Check it all out. Don't forget, if your orders are $50 or more, you'll receive free shipping from InStockTrades.com. Thanks again for listening to Word Balloon today. Uh, We've got more great episodes coming this week. Man, I'm doing four interviews that are already locked in, and there's about another five or six people that are kind of floating. We haven't really uh, set up a hard schedule, but uh, DC people, Marvel people, uh, independent people, first-timers, all coming up in the days and weeks ahead here on Word Balloon. Thanks for being part of the journey with me. I hope you enjoy these conversations, and I hope you'll come back for more. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2017.